Hello and welcome to Welsh Music Prize Conversations, where each nominated band or artist from the 2021 shortlist will delve deep into a chat about their body of work. Croeso i bodlediad y wobr gerddoriaeth Gymreig, lle mae'r tystiad sydd yn web i eleni yn siarad am ei albums. Mae'r deuddeg sgwrs yw clywed trwy Am, Spotify neu Apple Podcasts. All 12 conversations are available through the Am app, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Be sure to let us know what you think about these discussions across our social media too. Fy sy'n i wrth i'n bodda ein clywed, beich chi'n meddwl am y sgwrsiau at Welsh Music Prize. Here's acclaimed producer Daniel Avery chatting with acclaimed producer Kelly Lee Owens about her nominated album. Dyma Daniel Avery yn sgwrsio a Kelly Lee Owens am yr album In A Song. Kelly Lee Owens, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm sat in the back of my tour van with a vegan sausage roll from Greg. They're about to go into shortage. I no. just saw a news report that you better get get them in. Oh my god, there were like three yeah. left on the counter. I've got one, so after this, yeah, I'll run back. Go back. Yeah, all right. I think you should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same old. So you were talking about pizza and you know. I know. And, you know. It was only yeah. a matter of time. <laughs> um, um, so first off, congratulations on the record in a song, a wonderful record, and on your nomination for Welsh Music Prize. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it feels uh, really nice to be recognised by the homeland. So uh, for cool. me, this is like one of the most important prizes in a way. So, yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course. So for those who don't know, at, uh, to begin at the beginning, you and I met, what year do you think it was? 2010? I was trying to work it out. I think it was 2009 because that's Nine, when I yeah. moved, yeah, to London in July. Yeah, 2009. God. Yeah, so we've known each other for well over a decade, mm. and we met in uh, a record shop in London called Pure Groove, which uh, was a, a really beautiful little uh, music community that was way more than a record shop. It also was a kind of hangout and had a bar in it, and bands would come and do live. Uh, sessions in there and and I've I've been thinking back to that time a lot recently and for me I think um, one of the things that drew us two together was that I I sensed something similar in you that I felt is that we were just so desperate to be involved in the world of music like to immerse ourselves in the world of music in some way and I think we both had a burning passion inside us to to be making music, but, but probably at that stage didn't quite know mm. where that was heading, and mm. and eventually, oh, you know that that's our paths found their own way. But do, do you feel that too? Like that that's how I remember us meeting, really, and beginning to talk. Yeah, totally. That's a good way of putting it, actually, because yeah, like you say, Pure Groove was. I mean, just so blessed for us both to find something like mm. that with such a tight community from the get-go and have all these people every single day coming in who are either musicians, you know, uh, music press actually, you know, people just popping in yeah. for a cup of tea and a chat and yeah, just mm. kind of talking and passionate about music. It just felt like I was in the right place for almost the first time in my life, you know, mm. surrounded by like-minded people and yeah, especially like, as you say, you and I, we both had this ambition and, and passion and wanted to translate that into literal sounds. Because 
I feel like we're both like super, you know, we're like record nerds, we're music nerds, mm. we're music lovers first and foremost, really. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it was like, how can we communicate our own sort of essence and our own take on this and and create something that we hope people will respond to in the way that we have responded to to music and how it's kind of supported us and nourished us, I think, in our lives. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I didn't have a clue in a way how I would do that because I knew I could sing. That was my main instrument. Um, but I wasn't sure how to go about, you know, creating my own stuff. And I think I, I was dabbling in doing vocals for some people. And then, uh, yeah, I but, I you know, I played bass a little bit, but I wasn't like yeah. super great at that. And I wasn't like a traditional musician. But yet it was a time and now more than ever, it's a time for people where you don't have to be a trained musician to actually um, be able to express yourself. And that's the beauty of, of technology, old and new, you know, because obviously for both yeah. of us, synths were kind of a gateway um, into a world of creativity. Yeah, I completely agree. And you've touched on something here. And this is this is uh, me jumping forward a couple of questions I have for you. But I, w I would like to talk about your voice because... Mm. I feel it's, it's, you know, I've witnessed it firsthand, you know, for, you know, for many years, been in the studio with you. And it's a really, has such a magical quality to it. And it's, and it's really, like, it's a really something to be in the same room as, as it. And mm. I, I, I'm not, I don't think, you know, your, your records are varied and, and I think it's, pretty telling that you leave you, you don't sing on every track on in a song for instance like you leave space for sometimes other people's voices to come through sometimes the music itself to come through but i think your voice is it's such a, a linchpin of your stuff and particularly this album do you remember when you first realized that you could sing or that it was something that you had inside of you mm, that's a good question and, and thank you for the kind words um yeah, I think, well, I mean, this probably does relate to Wales, actually, and growing up in, you know, a country where ultimately being in a choir is almost like national service. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the voice is the first thing that's explored in Wales, you know, because the choir culture is so strong and it's heritage and it's kind of got a nickname as the land of song. And that's how people mm -hmm. have expressed their sorrows and their pain, actually in a lot yeah. of ways and of course their joys as well but it's kind of like a, this kind of therapy for the country and you know Wales has been through a lot it's a complex history that we have um so I think yeah like being in a choir and and from a very early age in my primary school I was always they were always encouraging me to to sing to perform um, I remember singing a cappella. I can't remember what it was. It was some kind of pop song, you know, because it was like in the 90s, you know. Um, yeah. And I, I did an a cappella version of some, some pop song in front of the whole school assembly, you know, like hundreds and hundreds of kids, no music. Um, wow. Wow. And that was a very powerful thing. I remember doing that and feeling afterwards like I could do anything because somehow it... How old were you, do you think? How, how old were you at that point, do you reckon? Oh, probably six, maybe. That young. Wow, okay. Yeah. So yeah. it was always kind of there. And then also I, I found recently, I've got these like post-it notes 
that I wrote lyrics on in my nana's back garden in mm-hmm. in Wales. Um, and I must have been, yeah, probably about like six or seven around that time as well, like trying to write my own little songs. And this is the thing I thought, oh, because I can't play an instrument, I could sing and I could maybe write just the vocal lines and that's all I would ever do, you know? Yeah, um, right. But in the end, and I think like both of us, it's like when you love music and sound, it's like you want to create the whole world yourself almost, sure. you know? So yeah. Sure. No, I, I I agree entirely. And and then did you go on to? Am I right? Right in saying that you went on to study music at some point? I did do. Um, I just took like GCSE music and then like AS and A level music. Yeah. But for me personally, I didn't really ever properly learn how to read or write music. That felt. No. For me, too mathematical, too yeah, left sure. side of the brain. You know, like just I didn't feel like it was almost weirdly for me part of the creation of music which sounds yeah. so strange but um I couldn't I get my way. head around it yeah right exactly I think a lot of musicians do and and, and you know we're moving away from that almost like an archaic sense of mm-hmm. something having to be one way that you learn you know I, I, I remember singing in high school like baroque pieces uh mm-hmm. singing like acapella Oh, sorry, uh, with a company of piano, but like only learning Baroque pieces hourly, you know, I, I didn't mm. need that. I just felt it. And I remembered there was this musical memory kind of in me. But so, yeah, when it got to the theory, I just it was too much of the theory and I wasn't interested. So I kind of dropped it and uh, ended up doing things like African drumming compositions because there happened to be 50 djembes in the, the school cupboard and like just weird stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. I love it. Um, okay, so let's talk about In A Song, the album itself. Um, I really love the record and it's a record that I think really kind of grows with mm. time, like the more time you spend with it and... The thing I love most about it is that it's a it's an album full of it's a very resilient sounding album and it's full of hope and the now mm. uh, the line and now I am moving on just really summarizes the record for me and mm. what I what I pick up from that is something that I've always recognized in you is that it doesn't it, it deals with you can feel pain within it but it's not dwelling on the pain it's it is trying to move on and trying to look forward and, and realizing that you can't change things that have already happened or things mm-hmm. that you don't have control over. Was that, was that a conscious decision when, when writing it? Yeah, uh, I think it, it was because it was a very pivotal moment in my life. Um, I was kind of coming into like my 20s were ending and, you know, reflecting upon that decade is really immense and emotional in itself. I mean, there's so much growth and learning and stupidity, you know, good and bad times. And there was a deep reflection about, um, yeah, exactly that, like the things I could not control, but also the deeper like inner knowledge I had of myself, which I think is, is the key, you know, to, to, to kind of a good life in a sense is like understanding yourself, whether that's via therapy or going back mm-hmm. to your ancestry and talking to your family. Like there's many ways of, of knowing yourself and um, being honest with yourself. So that's, that was my starting point, really. And yeah, I mean, often then when you come to certain realizations, half of the battle is just 
letting go of something that isn't working anymore or isn't serving you anymore or isn't meant for you anymore. And of course, there's pain in that. Um, and there's, there were many losses in my life in, in, a, in, a, in a short period, actually, of, of three, maybe four years. And my God, I had to transmute that into something which I felt was beautiful and hopeful. And, and, and thank you for, you know, mentioning the word, word like resilient, because I do feel like I'm a very resilient person. I am very strong. It, it, it's in my DNA. Somehow I come from like a long lineage, a strong matriarch energy where you've mm-hmm. kind of had no other choice but to kind of move forward and be strong. But um yeah, sometimes it's beautiful to stop and recognize that in yourself um, and then give yourself permission also at the same time to be held by good people in your life. I think it's a balance of both, right? Um, sure. But yeah, that, that, that album has documented a, a hugely uh, interesting and, and eventful part of my life. And I wanted to be honest with it so other people could kind of I could hold them through um, their own pain and, uh, yeah, transformation. Well, it seems to have really, I mean, all of your stuff has, but this record really seems to have made that connection with with many, many people. And, you know, it's been really fantastic to see the the rise of, of what you do and, and and how it has, it just seems to be connecting with, with more people every month. And, mm. um I mean, I guess it's difficult to say this when you're on the inside of it, but have you felt that that connection just grow? And I, I mean, one example I would use is that, you know, you've done the difficult thing of of um, making your way in America for, as one example. You know, mm-hmm. not many British artists are able to do that. And just from, you know, from what I can see is that it really does seem to be making a connection with people and it seems to be growing do you feel that? Can you sense that as every time you uh, talk to people or play or go out? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, talking about, like, connecting with people and understanding their connection to stuff is, like, it's obviously quite difficult with the pandemic. And our mm. way as musicians and artists of connecting with people is by eventually taking it out there, right, on the road mm. and um, yeah. performing it or presenting it and connecting in one space with people. And didn't get to do that so I found, I tried to find other ways of doing that. And one way was I set up an email address, something like, I don't know, Kelly at Small Town Superstown or something. Mm. So, uh, and got people to write in and tell me their relationship to the record and their experiences. And just generally like a, a, a way of expressing what they've been through personally at this crazy time. And it was kind of like a kind of a, a glorified like, I was going to say like agony and thing, but I I wasn't replying to everyone. I didn't I didn't have that much time, but it was just so beautiful to have this direct line where people could just tell me their experiences and share something. And honestly, it was so emotional because I think it's a two way street. Yes, you make something for others, but as artists, in order to keep us moving forward, and you do need some kind of um. I don't know what the right word is really because it's not like approval but it's just to have like this yeah just a connection and, and resonance with with other humans sure. to know this reflection you know sure. um yeah so um i forgot what the question was <laughs> Sorry. Well, so you've answered it there that's a beautiful thing that email idea is such a beautiful one i really i mean that really 
hits home and it's you know very true of, of who you are as a person i think uh, you know it's um oh i think america sorry just to say america oh yeah sorry just, america tell me about america yeah sorry that's my um yeah because i i just taught this so basically it's really weird i had a bigger fan base in america from the start than i did um in the uk for mm-hmm. some reason because sometimes it takes longer in certain places around the world you know um but they always have embraced me like from the beginning for whatever reason and then just to get to go there I was one of the only UK artists to be there like two months ago uh felt like an honor I felt like my job is at the moment I mean I've released a, a an album during a pandemic and I'm playing during an ongoing pandemic really in the safest way I can but I feel like I'm I'm being of service you know my job is to be there to hold space for people and that's how it felt people were crying people were just like transcending in their own way and they needed that and it was like they hadn't been to a show for this is their first show in two years or the venue's first show in two years and so it felt like you know when you're younger and you go to what's your first ever gig kind of felt like that again it's like no one's going to forget the first show that they came back to see after this period of time so again just like honored really that people um chose to be there and like that we got to share that space and you know I'm just about to go around the UK doing the same and I know you played yourself um a couple of shows and you're moving into mm. the live sphere more and mm. whether it's DJ or live I mean there's, there's nothing like being in a room and sharing that experience together there's nothing like it. There is nothing like it. And I think one of the things, uh, you know, on, the, on that same point, there's the record. I, I want to put this right, because to me, the record feels, whilst it's resilient and strong, it also feels there are moments of quite heavy vulnerability, I would say. And mm. and also moments that, make, that are quite sad, really. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. you know, and, Obviously, uh, my point is that it you made this record like you know given circumstances um this isn't a new record anymore as a really mm-hmm. like you made this record a couple of years ago probably or, yeah and and I don't feel that you're in the exact same place now and I, I think you're in a I feel that you're in a more positive place mm-hmm. now it's almost like this record needed to happen it ne- it was a cathartic exercise for you and I, I really do feel like you have moved on. But I'd, I'd be interested to hear what your like relationship is to the record itself now as you sit here today about to go out on this tour. Mm, yeah, it's an interesting one because especially when it's one related to a lot of, like I say, loss and, and, and sorrow. Um, like I say, obviously as an artist and a human being, you just sort of move forward yourself and you, you have to. Like that's what different phases of your life, you know, they, they come and go. But... I still feel a deep emotional connection and there's still, I'm still, uh, you know, shedding those things because the things I went through are not things that you can just, just shed completely immediately. They take a lifetime of work and, and um, I don't know, just like delicate handling in a way, you know? So there's still remnants of that in, in my life, but it is beautiful to also be singing them and know, and also, yeah, at the same time, feel how far, I've come personally away from certain like negative situations or patterns in, in my life and to be able to be proud of myself for, you know, getting myself out of those scenarios. 
but as I say, as I see, like my job is to, I'd play this forever as long as it helps someone mm. else who's perhaps in similar situations going through something, get through their pain now. Um, yeah. That's how I see it. And it's just, I mean, the irony of calling something in a song and having mm. it not be played out, you know, of that course. often. <laughs> I have to be careful what I call the next one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, my favourite tracks, I was going through it again yesterday, my favourite tracks, I think, are Rewild, mm. Love Is Not Enough, and Corner of the Sky. Do you have a favourite? Oh, that's hard. Um, that's a tough question, isn't it? <laughs> it changes all the time, but I, yeah. I, I agree, I love rewild because it's for the first time I explored that kind of more spacious like I would say honestly like R&B influences that I actually sure. have like my as you know my music taste is quite eclectic and same yeah. for you and um that spacious like big bass stuff and then still with those ethereal moments but the power and the strength of that song you know it kind of that energy has got me through a lot of stuff it's like rewilding the spirit and mm. and also it's related to as a lot of other things are in this album you know nature like where we are in nature now and you know the best way to, to help nature often is to leave it alone allow the land to rewild it knows somewhere the spirit of nature knows exactly what to do and I feel there's a reflection of that in in humans if you're just given enough time and space to to find your own path of, you know, nourishment and, and, and regrowth. And I think in life, there are many little deaths, you know, and, mm. and um, rebirths that we, that we face. And I think it, it's right that we do because that is growth and growth is not all like, you know, shiny, happy. It's, 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 it's painful and it's, it's deep, but it, uh, it's better to feel the pain of, you know, uh, healing than to carry, just pain throughout your life that you don't even understand you know absolutely absolutely okay i have one more question and i have to ask this one i mentioned <laughs> corner of my sky john kale <laughs> yeah talk to me about john kale <laughs> as music I... as music fanatics as both of, <laughs> you know as you and i are then that's a pretty incredible name to see on a list of collaborators I know. I mean, I can't believe it sometimes as well. Sometimes I, I forget and then people ask me about it and I'm like, oh my God, yeah, this happens. Um, yeah. Basically, yeah, we, we have the same uh, publicist in America, Jessica, who's incredible. And, you know, she knows that Welsh people are very passionate about each other, really. Sure. <laughs> we, yeah. we kind of stick together and we're interested in what each other are doing creatively because there aren't, you know, the, lot of people creating in Wales of course but I don't feel sometimes they always get the recognition they deserve so I think John feels the same and he tries to give you know Welsh artists especially like a platform but at the same time he's very picky and so if he doesn't mm. like something <laughs> he yeah. is not going to touch it you know so um, anyway we met and he asked me to do some vocals for him on one of his mm. tracks which I don't think has ever been released but just that experience of going into a, a recording studio with John Cale and looking through the glass and having him kind of direct me and produce me 
Mm-hmm. It was like he touched nothing and he touched everything. It's that like old school producer magic that wow. don't really get to experience that often. And I remember hitting this high note that I'd never hit before in my life. And I did it oh. because he got me to that place um, yeah. through some sheer magical energy he has. And um, anyway, so we kept in touch a little bit after that. And then when I made Corner of My Sky, I could hear, for some reason to me, it sounded like the land of Wales. And I just thought, who else better to narrate that than John? And we all know his his speaking voice is just wonderful, Mm. you know. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I sent it to him. He sent me back all the vocals, but they were all over the place, as in just, you know, he just, there were loads of extra bits that I have that only I will ever hear, which is just, you know, that's, mm. that's magical. But um, I picked the things that I felt worked and I edited and I produced the vocals, sent it back to him. He approved straight away. And and here we are. And, you know, just so grateful that he gave me the platform and opportunity to create with him in, in that way. And at this this moment in his life, and, and as someone who doesn't normally sing or speak in Welsh very often, he sang in Welsh, which is just so beautiful and vulnerable. And, oh, yeah, just just blessed, really. That's so amazing. I love it. <laughs> well, Kelly, it's been really nice to talk to you. And congratulations on another beautiful record in a song. Best of luck on the tour. And, yeah, hopefully mm-hmm. we can have a piece of together soon. Yeah, and thank you. And just generally, you know, for you and all your support, it does mean a lot to me. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, bless you. Cool. All right. Have a good one. You too. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to this episode of Welsh Music Prize Conversations with the 2021 shortlisted bands and artists. Diochan Vaudiaun, Amranda, Grechnubabedachimethel at Welsh Music Prize. That's the handle. We'd love to know what you think about the conversations.